Welcome to No Compromise Radio, a ministry coming to you from Bethlehem Bible Church in West Boylston. No Compromise Radio is a program dedicated to the ongoing proclamation of Jesus Christ. Based on the theme in Galatians 2 verse 5, where the Apostle Paul said, But we did not yield in subjection to them for even an hour, so that the truth of the gospel would remain with you. In short, if you like smooth, watered-down words to make you simply feel good, this show isn't for you. By purpose, we are first biblical but we can also be controversial. Stay tuned for the next 25 minutes as we're called by the divine trumpet to summon the troops for the honor and glory of her king. Here's our host, Pastor Mike Abendroth. Welcome to No Compromise Radio. My name's Steve Cooley. Mike has foolishly left me in control, and so I've got the uh, dials and the board and all that stuff, and I uh, asked my good friend Roshad Hendricks to call me, and uh, I've been grilling him steadily trying to pick his brain, figure out uh, what really motivates. I mean, think about it. I, the, the quintessential church person, and hi, Roshad, by the way, the, the quintessential American Christian goes to church, you know, maybe on the way they stop off and pick up some coffee and they come in and they expect, uh, you know, to be greeted warmly. They expect to have a nice seat. They expect to be seated in an air-conditioned place and listen to, you know, some uh, fine music and hear a sermon, and then they get up and they go out in the parking lot and they leave and they come back next week and do the same thing. And you don't do that. <laughs> you're, you're engaged, you know, on a daily basis uh, learning about our triune God, learning really some what some people might call esoteric bits of you know, data, esoteric bits of theology. Um, but but you seem to love it. Yeah, it's, um, oh man, I, I can't think of, of, of anything uh, greater important. I mean, it's, um, to me, it's just, you know, amazing looking and sit, reading about, you know, the great God of the universe. And uh, it seems as though the more you read, the more that you think you're coming to know it, it's, it's almost as if he continues to get further from you. And it's like, oh, my goodness, do I even know you? Would, you would, know, so, um, let me interrupt for a second. Would you say that this is right? That, you know, while maybe some cults and maybe even some Christians like to bring God down to our level, what what the Bible actually does is is it creates that space and reminds us how incredible the gap is between the creation, us, and the creator, right? Yeah. And and yeah, I think and the more you learn, you know, the more you recognize when Isaiah said, holy, 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 you know, and, and I'm undone, he wasn't kidding around, right? He, he understood. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, well, um, it, but that's what makes Christ so great. Amen. Well, let me ask you, I got a few, uh, uh, several more questions for you. Um, when you, how, how does your study of theology, how does it impact how you listen to sermons on a weekly basis? Do you just, do you just find yourself like picking at things or what, what do you think? How do you, how do you kind of filter, you know, sermons now? Yeah. Uh, thank you for asking that, um, that is something that I've actually, you know, talked to my wife about uh, many times, and I don't mind sharing this. You know, the thing that I have to guard against 
personally is to not do that. Mm-hmm. So not to, to listen to every sermon, whether it be from my pastor or, or anybody that I'm listening to on the internet. You know, I just look to nitpick everything. Now, there's a difference between nitpicking and, you know, as you know, people will say, being a Berean, you know, um, and, you know, having your sermon hat on, as some will say, um, you know, versus, again, sitting there just looking to find something that you can, well, no, he's wrong there because actually it's this or actually it's something else. So that's something that I need to be very careful of uh, as I continue on, you know, being able to listen to sermons. As long as God gives me my hearing, you know, versus, um, you know, listening and just hearing something just outright, completely outlandish. Right. You know, uh, it's actually four persons in the Trinity, you know, okay, now we can get outraged. <laughs> you know, that, yes, let's all get outraged on that part. But, um, you know, if someone, look, far be it for me to look down on somebody, you know, they don't know the intricacies as much as some of us may know about our child. You know, so uh, I say to anybody that I've spoken to, you know, I want to deal gracefully, you know, um, on these matters, especially because of the subject of the matter. And so um, that's something that I do have to guard against, you know, um, Always, especially you know, your ears perk up when you hear someone say God is like something, you know, and it's, and our ears should perk up when we hear that. But I ought to be very careful to not just listen for the explicit purpose of finding something to nitpick about, right? With that means, yeah, you you don't want to be raising your hand and go, well, actually, you know, that's. Uh, yeah. That's that's not what so and so said, or that's not what yeah, no. I and and yeah, Steve, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> well, so so I guess would you would you agree with this statement then that it's a matter of theology's great and good and helpful, and you know it really helps us inform our thinking. When I'm listening to the word, if I hear something wrong, okay, fine. But otherwise, I need to I need to just let the spirit and the word work on me, right? That's why I'm there. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and um, and like I said, and you know, God, God is going to bless the faithful man of God who seeks his father to word correct, and He's going to continue to refine that man, and at the same time, He's going to continue to. Go that man and go those who are who are listening to his question. And considering who God is, um, knowing God is first, and then that'll trickle down to how you treat one another. And so That's right. Man, you know, That's this, right. I know God is infinite. Man, you know, uh, God is infinite. I'm finite. He is just all powerful, all knowing full of wisdom and holy. Let me approach my brother or let me approach my sister and in, 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 with that at the forefront of my mind in the right way. I, you I, know, so, uh, yeah. I, I was, uh, before you called, I was just looking through Mike's, uh, he has an open ESV study Bible here and I was just kind of flipping through it and looking at the pastoral epistles and just the importance that 
First Timothy places on the gospel, you know, and, and the different places where it talks about uh, the gospel or sound doctrine or refuting false teachers, you know, and all these things. And I thought, well, how do you do those things if you don't understand sound doctrine, if you don't study sound doctrine? And, you know, so I, again, I just thought, as I was thinking about you, I just go, it's such an encouragement, you know, to meet somebody who hasn't yet been to seminary hasn't yet been called to the ministry and, uh, you know, and is such a, a fervent studier of these things. So I, I, I want to give you another easy one. Uh, you know, as you've been studying over the last, studying more deeply over the last, let's say, six, seven years, what would you say was the most, you know, surprising thing that you've learned, you know, just when you, when you read it or you understood it for the first time, you just thought, you know, mind blown. I can't believe that. I mean, I believe it, but I can't believe it. Yeah. I mean, isn't the Trinity mind blowing enough of its own, you know? (laughs) And, um, so you're studying the, studying the Trinity. And of course, by you studying theology proper, that's going to go into Christology. I mean, you can't. There's no way that you can get around Christology, you know, if you're studying theology. Mm. And looking at Christology, I think has been, and this is, of course, no knock against just the amazement that the Trinity is. I mean, it's all mind blowing, anyway. But just looking at the person of Christ, I mean, really considering Christ, he's, you know, it was saying that he says in the New Testament to consider him, you know, you see these dual accounts of Christ from the gospel. And how on one hand, you see him sleeping and tired and hungry and astonished and amazed at things. Now, this is the second person of the Trinity that is talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, how is he eating? Why is he eating? How is he thirsty? How is he amazed? How could he grow in wisdom, stature, and knowledge? You know, then on the other hand, you see him, you know, reading someone's thoughts who are not even there, you know, and knowing what's in the, a man's heart, you know, and, and healing people infirm from birth, you know, restoring sight of the blind, forgiving sin. Well, wait a minute, wasn't he just sleeping? You know, wasn't he just eating? You know, so just looking at the person of Christ, My- the scripture declares so it's true. It's, and I'm still at a loss, you know, no matter how much I study. You know, I'm just still at a loss of how amazing he is. You know, one person, two natures. Each nature does what's appropriate to itself. And you can rightly say that this, that was the Son of God. The Son of God slept. The Son of God died. You know, the Son of God had to grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. How? It, it's, you know, it's amazing. So, uh, to your question, I think uh, Christology, to me, brother, um, and like I say, the Trinity, I mean, that's, it's, it's all, it's all up there. But man, just, just this Christology, you know, just reading about Christ in the New Testament, um, 
it, I, I'm flabbergasted and amazing, you know, how those things can be true of the same person. It it is it is amazing. Let me let me kind of shift gears a little bit and ask you to you know let's go back into the pew for a moment. What would you what would you say to a pastor to kind of get pastors to encourage their congregants and maybe especially men because I, I mean I sometimes I just I, well I'll just say. I mean, I know it's true of me. I think it's true of many men. You know, we're a little bit lazy. Um, and and so I think uh, it's a little harder sometimes to motivate the guys to learn this stuff. But what would you say to your pastor? How would you just kind of, and I don't mean your pastor, but a pastor in particular, to just kind of say, you know, what? I, I guess what I'm asking is how would you encourage them to sort of light a fire under their people? What can they do to sort of encourage that? Yeah, yeah. This is something I thought about, um, had discussions with other brothers about, I think with, and again, with no specific reference to any pastor, you know, I think a lot of pastors in our American context you know, kind of view the doctrines and the things that we're talking about as academic pursuit. And so this, this is a point that was made in this really good book that I read, uh, The Pastor Theologian by Highstand and Wilson. Mm. Really good. Really good book, and it talks historically about how the pastor was the theologian. The pastor was in the academy. You know, the pastor was the one teaching in school. So anyway, I, I think what has happened to us here in America over the last couple hundred years or so is that a lot of pastors have started outsourcing theological things to the academy or the seminaries, however you want to refer to Right. Hey, so this man is called to be a pastor. This man is called to be an elder. You know, this man is called to be whatever, a preacher, a teacher. Let's send him to the academy. That's where you go and learn the theological things. And then as far as in the church, in the, the pulpit, we'll just kind of keep everything at not such a deep theological level. And so now I'm going to start, you know, making apologies for saying certain things in the pulpit because I don't want to make the congregants think I'm trying to get too deep on them. I'm going to try to keep things at a certain level because deep belongs to the academy. So I'm just going to kind of... It wasn't always like that. So I'm just going to kind of dumb it down from the pulpit, right? Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't always like that with, uh, you know, with the, um, with that, um, Stone Campbell movement, you know, the No Creed But Christ movement, that, that whole thing just kind of really just set off a negative chain of thing for us here these days. Um, but I won't go there too much unless you want to. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, a lot of pastors are just content with the surface level things and understanding. Yeah, you know, it made me think about it, and I was thinking about this earlier before I called you, uh, the writer who, um, you know, talks about, you know, you should have been on more than milk. You should be teachers by now. Like, what's going on with you guys? Here I am again explaining the same thing to you. <laughs> and it wasn't a condemnation of them, but it was an indictment on them. 
They should have been doing more, learning more, understanding more, understanding the scriptures more. They they should have been going quote unquote deeper, you know. And 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 that's so good. I mean, well, I mean, just think about today with the resources and everything we have, especially in the United States. We have more resources. I mean, Martin Luther, Calvin, any of those guys, any of the reformers would have killed to have. I mean, not really killed, but you know what I mean. They would have loved to have yeah. had. I'll, I'll put it. I'll put it Christianly. Uh, they would have loved to have had the resources that we have. I mean, we and we can bring them up. We. We've got more online for free than they would have. You know, mm-hmm. they they couldn't have afforded all the books that we can you know access online. Yeah, but I mean, but God but, has given us teachers. Yeah, but but now we just act like you know theology isn't even a thing. And you know what? You I, I will let you let you go off on a little tangent here because we you know we talked a little bit about this too. But the the whole idea of uh, you know the Campbellites, the the no creed but Christ. You know this idea. Basically, wouldn't you say that it just involves reinventing the theological wheel? In other words, it doesn't matter what came before us. That stuff is it's just all dead letters. We we gotta you know we gotta do our own thing now. Yeah, reinventing the wheel. At least the second generation. Um, yeah, some some really good brothers made very astute comments regarding that that type of. Thing. Yeah, so. Um, Having a lack of regard for history, and that's what the, the issue with the Campbellites were. Uh, ironically, they were saying that they were trying to get closer to the apostolic you know, uh, church <clears throat> from the beginning, of it. but they moved further and further away from it. So their cry was no creed but Christ, no book but the Bible, no law but love, call Bible things by Bible name. You know, and like, uh, I don't know. Maybe Mike said it. It may have been his brother stated on the Pactum. Well, you know, every heretic has their favorite Bible verse. You know, do you really want to detect, detach yourself from our rich theological heritage? You know, no. The Bible talks about how God has gifted teachers, and it wasn't just limited to that current generation. That's right. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I mean the first in all the way into the future. The the verse that comes in mind, you know, as I think about this, I just think Second uh, Timothy chapter two verse two, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So there's this picture to me, and exactly what we're talking about, you know, of previous generations. When they wrote these things down, when they spoke these things and they were recorded, they were essentially holding out the baton to us, right? And we take the baton and then we hand it on to the next generation, right? If anybody completely dropped the baton, of course, that can't happen, um, you know, then Christianity would cease. But this idea of kind of restarting the race or, you know, reinventing the wheel over and over and over again... Well, what does that lead to? That's going to lead to revisiting old heresies over and over and over again. Our brothers in the past have already fought these fights, right? We need to stand on their shoulders. We need to essentially, as I was saying, take that baton, be faithful to what they've given us, and avoid the errors that others committed. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then. I'm sorry, go ahead, bro. Well, we got about uh, five minutes 
left here, so I want I want to get a another question or two. But uh, <coughs> what would you? Well, let, let me. I'll ask this one. This is easy. Uh, what are who are some of the dead theologians that you like the most? Oh wow, that's easy. But it's not. I'll just give you maybe three or four uh, for sake of time. Okay. Um, Man, I you know what? I really love the Dutch Reform guys, um, the Witsius, Witsius, uh, the Bosius, all those guys in there. Uh, then Bobbitt, of course. You know, everybody loves Bobbitt. Um, and then I love the Scholastic guys, too, like Van Maastricht um, and Wilhelm Brockle and Puritan, as I mentioned before. Um, and then, of course, the Puritans. You just throw all of them in the bag. I count them as one. You could put the Watsons and the Flavels and the Charnocks and the Owens, put them all in the bag. I count that as one. And um, and then the Cappadocians. I really like the Cappadocians as well. So, um, so yeah, yeah kind, of, kind of got guys in there from a lot of different generations. Yeah. By design. So, sounds, like you, sounds like you need to be writing books. That's what I think. Oh, goodness. Hey, many people have already written it before me who were saying it much better. All right. Okay. I'll continue to read it. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, uh, well let, let, let's take a slightly different bend on that. If you could encourage people to read the works of any theologian, living or dead, who would it be? If, oh, if you were to just say, brother, brother, read this guy. Read this guy. Because of what we're talking about, um, I would say Charnock. Okay. Only because of, you know, what our main subject of uh, discussion has been about God and nature and who he is, astrology. Charnock's attributes. Um, you can get that, whether it's the condensed one or the two-volume one, read Charnock. Now, Charnock is, is tough in there, reading. May not, maybe not as tough as an underbridged Owen. But it, it gets tough, but it's well worth it. And you don't need to be in a race to try to get it done just to say you got it done. But this Stephen Charnock. Of intelligent wisdom, yes, Stephen Charnock, uh, the Puritan. Okay. And, uh, but his depth of knowledge and insight is tremendous as far as the attributes of God. All right. I would say Charnock if you press me against a wall. Okay, I'm pressing you. Okay, Roshad, on No Compromise Radio, let me ask you this. What, uh, the, another easy one for you, what to, what doctrine do you think is most often misunderstood by Christians? If you had to pick one and just say, I think this is, this is the one. Well, um, you know, uh, Christology is the one, I would say. Um, okay. That's kind of a layup. Right, right. But now, what aspect of Christology would you say? I mean, well, for, you know, what I've been coming to learn of, you know, over the last few years is, is kind of uh, this really sharp distinction, you know, uh, between the natures of Christ. Now, the natures aren't united. I mean, excuse me, I'm sorry, scratch that. The natures are united in the person of Christ. But the, the, it's not such a sharp distinction to where you would actually have two persons. And that was a problem with the, the Nestorian. Um, they, they had such a sharp division 
between the nation, which it was. This was Christ, the man doing this, and this was Christ the God doing this, Christ God doing this. So um, just that aspect of Christology, um, I think, is, is what I've at least been noticing for the, for the last couple of years, and, and, uh, which is, that, that may be, I don't know, too... No, I, I get it. We, and, you know, we only have a few seconds left, but, I, you know, it, it sounds to me, and you could just say yes or no, it sounds to me like what you're saying is Christians often are, are trying to reduce this mystery of Christ into an easy, crunchable thing to understand, and it's not that easy. Yeah. I mean, work. yeah, it takes, takes a lot of work. Well, thank you so much, Rashad, for being on No Compromise Radio today. I've really appreciated it. Thank you so much, my brother. I look, I look forward to this, and um, I'm, I'm glad uh, we got this time. Me too. No Compromise Radio with Pastor Mike Abendroth is a production of Bethlehem Bible Church in West Boylston. Bethlehem Bible Church is a Bible teaching church firmly committed to unleashing the life-transforming power of God's Word through verse-by-verse exposition of the sacred text. Please come and join us. Our service times are Sunday morning at 1015 and in the evening at 6. We're right on Route 110 in West Boylston. You can check us out online at bbcchurch.org or by phone at 508-835. 3400.